Okay, welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News Conversations with Tech Directors in their response to the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Kevin Hogan, I'm Editor-at-Large, and I'm happy you found us here. And with me today, uh, an, an old colleague and friend, Rick Cave, uh, Director of Technology for the West Windsor Plainsboro School District in the great state of New Jersey. Rick, how are you? I'm doing well yourself. It's good to see you. It's good Although to see virtually. you. That's right. And, you know, I've, I've done over 100 interviews since the, the, the pandemic has started, and I've uh, reached out to educators and ed tech executives in New Zealand, Russia, Denmark. You have the distinct honor of being the closest person <laughs> that I have spoken with. And we could have uh, met each other uh, for a cup of coffee, probably five minutes yeah, from each way, minutes. right? Yep, right in the middle. So I'm, I'm pretty intimate in uh, knowledge of, you know, how specifically you and uh, tech directors in New Jersey, you had to start with this one real early uh, in, in terms yeah. of the pandemic and, 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 and got hard, hit hard really early with this stuff. Uh, but also, um, you know, the more recent news with Governor Murphy relaxing things, uh, I see some kids are starting to go to prom. Uh, there's yep. some other sort of like in-person things happening. Give us, let's start off with just giving us a, a state of play of, of where you are in West Windsor uh, in the current situation. Um, and we're, we're kind of, you know, bumping along, I think, like everybody else, you know, trying to fi- kind of find our way. What's the next step? You know, it's something you don't really know uh, going forward. You're kind of, you're moving forward as best you can, but you're always afraid of that hook coming out and grabbing you all of a sudden out of the out of the blue with you know maybe another restriction but you actually been in a pretty good role uh it's interesting because as a district we we were you know we opened in september so we've been you know we've we've had students in in person since september but we gave our parents the option and we only had around 25 percent of our kids coming in yeah now given our size that's still you know, a couple thousand kids, almost 3000 kids coming in. So it was certainly something we had to continue to do uh, to allow it. But we gradually, as the year has gone, just added more kids to kind of come in. And we just recently opened it up to all our seniors. We opened it up to anyone who wanted to come back. We basically said to the parents, hey, if you want to come back, bring them back. Um, We're still haven't cracked 40% yet. But, you know, we still have more, we have more coming in. What I find most interesting is High schoolers are staying away. Hmm. Uh, the, the lower grade kids are the kids coming in, which I can see that from a perspective of the social, emotional, and just the, the aspect of wanting those kids really want to, I think they need to see their friends. They really need to see them. Whereas the high school kids um, can see their friends a lot of different ways. So I, sure. I have a feeling that kind of drives out a little bit, but yeah, we're, we're right now ramping up to try and basically have next fall be a normal year. Um, like expecting everyone to be back, even knowing that probably be a handful here or there who won't be able to come back. Um, so we're kind of excited. It's, it's, I, it was really fun. Just the other day, I walked upstairs and talked to two different people face to face, I think for the first time in I don't know how long. And it was like, this is actually kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe we should have had that cup of coffee. They're, they're, right. they're, they're not in this little black box. Not well, in little I'm boxes. all back. So we, we, I don't know about how your vaccine yeah, I'm back. Let's go. We'll talk a little bit about, and I already don't like the phrase, but I'm going to say it anyway, uh, the new normal um, for next back to school and and the fall. Um, Is it going to be normal as it was BP before the pandemic? Are there some 
layers of this. Now, I know you, I know your district pretty well. You guys have been innovative. I'll take the risk of uh, dating ourselves where we talked about one-to-one techniques and BYOD strategies at least 10 years ago, yeah. right? In Trenton. Um, in, Trenton. <laughs> in person. In person. Um, so you, I mean, as, as far as anyone can be prepared for uh, a shift to total remote learning at first, and then maybe resorting to some sort of hybrid or, or setting up. I mean, it seems to me you are as progressive as anyone there. Uh, but are there things that will change now this fall that weren't in place before when it comes to the implement- implementation of technology? I mean, probably for us, and because we were one-to-one, but we were only one-to-one five through 12. Um, fortunately, our infrastructure was robust enough that when we we switched, all we had to do was get devices into other kids' hands and we were fine. You know, yeah. they could, all the resources and everything was in place. So, you know, we were fortunate to have that stuff in place and ready to go. So the transition from a technical perspective was more a manage, management issue as opposed to a technical issue. You know, how do you get all these devices in hands? Now they're at home. How do you fix them when they break, et cetera? And, you know, breakage was a bigger issue because when they were broken in the past, they were still in the class. Now when they're broken at home, they have no way to get to the class. So, you know, those kind of, like I said, the management issues were bigger. Um, we're just now, like, like I said, we're really trying to build the idea that we're going back the way we were. What's interesting is we've actually, at this point, we're discussing changing our schedules in a number of our buildings based on some of the experiences of this year. So, I mean, that's kind of one of the offshoots of this that's been kind of interesting is because of the pandemic, because we had to pull kids out, we actually had to modify our schedules in order to make it work. They learned some things from that. Now they've actually gone back and they're changing the schedules for next year. So we know, yes, there's going to be changes. You know, those, that, that, you know, that would be one in particular. From a technical perspective, I'm not, yeah, we're not really planning because like I said, the infrastructure is there. So it's really a question of people utilizing it. Yeah. So from a tech side, there's really not a lot of changes. We have some extra resources and some tweaks we've made on access and those kinds of things, but aren't any major overhauls. It's really more discussion about, it's instructions discussions. You know, how is, how or if is instruction gonna change, you know, moving forward? And then once they have those changes, okay, how can we, you know, support them best with the tools that we now have available to them? Yeah, talk a little bit about um, how, behaviors have changed. I know in in conversations we've had in events past, a big part was convincing wider parts of the community that there was an importance to technology, that this was something that was not only a benefit for the students, but could be a benefit for the teachers. And I won't go into my personal stories about conversations with the the New Jersey uh, Education Association and and union leadership, but there was kind of like at 2.48, we turn off the laptops, and at 7.18, we, we turn them back on. And uh, that doesn't work during a pandemic, right? So no. um, have, the, have you seen changes in behaviors when it comes to not only the students, but uh, faculty? And, and I'll follow up with a question on, on parents as well. After you, you answer. mean behaviors like towards with tech use or? Yeah, with, with use and instruction uh, and in yeah. terms of communication with, with students. Well, I think the, big, the, the biggest factor that uh, the pandemic has really brought, a, you know, really, uh, brought forward is independ- student independence, student choice, kind of student-centered instruction. Um, it's something people talk about, something that's been very important to us, and we've really always kind of 
tried to build around that idea of student centered. But, you know, I'll be honest, it's not something everybody always embraces. You know, the, the, I think, you know, unfortunately, when you walk into a lot of classrooms, you still see very, very traditional instruction, teachers standing in front of the classrooms, the kids sitting, you know, down listening. Um, we've done, we've had shifts, we have places where it works, you have teachers who do it really well. What was interesting in this environment is uh, teachers learned pretty quickly that lecturing to a Zoom screen is really ineffective. I mean, we knew lecturing to live people was not necessarily the best way to do it, but to a Zoom screen was really ineffective. So. Yeah. You know, that's probably just that awareness that, you know, now, you know, wait, maybe we need to do something more. Maybe it can't just be, I'm going to start pumping out this information and you have to kind of digest it all. So there, you know, for us, we saw what I thought was fascinating is our elementary people were more aligned to that to begin with anyway. So for them, the transition was pretty easy. They were, they were, you know, they do so much group work and so much independent work that for them as a class to suddenly say, okay, you four kids, you're going to either go into a breakout room or you're going to go offline. Here's, here's something I need you to do. Go do it. Come back in 20 minutes. That was something they were used to doing. That is not something you're used to seeing in a high school. Mm. And so they had to kind of figure out how do they do it? How do we change it? How do we make it work? So I think that was, that was a behavior that teachers had to get used to. And what's interesting, I think, is on the, on the student side is the, the high school students had to get used to that behavior as well. Our, our students are really good at school. They know how to play the game. They know how to be successful according to traditional rules that are there. Suddenly the rules changed. And so they had to do it differently. And they had to kind of learn different. Some liked it. Some did not. We, we have a number of kids who, when the parents were given the option to come back, the parents said no, because their kids had done, were doing better than they'd ever done before. And I know that some people would think, well, they're not really doing anything. What's interesting, what we found from our data, because we, we have been looking at you know, testing, we have been looking at assessment, our kids are really not behind, that far behind from where they would normally be anyway. So suddenly it seems like you know, the normal school learning is going on but we have kids now succeeding who never succeeded before. And, and that, the question definitely has to be asked, why? What is it that's so different for them that they're suddenly either interested or, or involved that they weren't in the past? Well, I mean, I, I have a few beta testers uh, right here who have just recently returned to full-time schooling. And I can, <laughs> I can say that uh, less distractions, um, yeah. less of, you know, getting up at 6.30 in the morning, get the difference between them. Those conversations used to go on too with teenagers, right? Like, yeah, they they should let, let them sleep later. They've been sleeping later. They've had more time to focus on things. Um, luckily, they both seem to be in a project based mindset where they're mm -hmm. okay with it. Uh, my younger one, who's who was a freshman, is definitely suffered uh, from what you were talking about, which I think is that middle school, like the need to be social, you know, the socialization right. aspect yeah, yeah. of it. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I think there'll be a number of those uh, techniques that maybe will, will be applied going forward, right? That's certainly the hope because, you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the impact has just been, that's been such a positive thing, you know, and the downside is, you know, you now have to work with those kids who did not succeed because we have had, had them as well, the kids who have not succeeded in that environment and why, you know, what is it about that environment? But I think that, you know, goes back to the whole, you know, more student-centered type of learning, it's not, you know, not one size does not fit all. So whether you're doing it remotely, whether you're doing it in the classroom, 
you still need to meet the needs of your learners that are that are in front of you, either yeah. virtually or personally. Yeah. And so that's this, I think, is just reinforce that more than anything else. You know, by changing the environment, it's just suddenly changed, made people really recognize that they have to meet the needs of their learners. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, a few times here already uh, parents. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about um, if there is one, I'll assume there is a new relationship with parents who all of a sudden became this core of teaching assistants. Uh, again, I'll go back to my own anecdotes. I've spoken more with my kids' teachers via Zoom the past 12 months than I ever did in person in the past 12 years, right? I mean, right. beside parent-teacher conferences and things like that. Um, are there new methods or strategies in terms of uh, relationships with parents, you think, that will come come out of this as well? I mean, there, there's potential exists. I, I had... You get a little concerned. I, I know we want to keep positive, but you it's know, okay. there's, no, there's, no. there's a, a concern that hangs out there that is the, the with ease to fall back. Because the point is, I know that they've talked about like um, parent conferences and those kinds of things. I know a number of people have mentioned, you know, this is a tool, you know, the virtual aspect, because, you know, parent conferences and back to school nights and those kinds of things, you have a tendency to get the same group of parents. There's another chunk of parents that you, you have a very difficult time bringing in. The virtualization is a lot, has really allowed us to reach more parents. You know, we, we have more people at our board meetings because they're virtual. We have more people involved with so many different aspects of the school because of the virtual nature of it. So it would be nice to keep that so that you can continue along those lines. The part that I think that I get concerned with, I, I guess, is the other piece I think has been extremely, extremely powerful is the fact that parents are seeing what's going on. You know, I, there was an ex-super assistant soup we had, and I, I remember described once, a parent view of education is kind of like a, a castle. There's this castle, which is school, and every day the parents bring their kids to the castle, the drawbridge comes down, the kids are allowed in, and the parents kind of peek into the opening to see, wait, what's in there as the drawbridge closes? And that's what parents' interpretation of school is. Here, suddenly, we've got instruction going on in your home. Parents are in the background. We know they are. You know, some are lurking kind of to the side because they don't want to be seen. But eh, we know they're there. But also, I feel like the relationship has been strengthened because I think that parents have said, wow, this is really good. Or I find this interesting. Or I'm intrigued. And, and you know, I by having that connection, I think your conversations, I don't know this. My kids are now gone or, you know, are out of school, so I didn't have to, I didn't experience it with them. But, you know, it, I think it would provide many more opportunities for you as a parent to actually have real conversations about what's going on in school with your kids, as opposed to what did you learn in school today? Nothing. Right. You know, you, know. <laughs> right. you were there, right. or you may have heard a segment of it, or, hey, yeah. I heard this piece. What were you talking about? Or what was that about? Or, you know, those kinds of things. So that piece, I would love to see it connected because, you know, we, we, did, we started a program about four years ago with our, in our elementary K123 uh, class using um, digital portfolios and uh, wireless video in the classroom to allow the kids to interact more freely with their colleagues and with teachers and also with their parents during the day. And that has the, the impact of that has been significant in that 
everyone's embraced it fully from the beginning. And one of the driving forces behind it was a parent, you know, said to me, they have never been so connected to their kids learning. You know, they specifically told the example of, you know, when they went to dinner, they sat down and actually talked about what they learned because they were partially involved with the learning just by the communications that we had opened up. So I think that what happened with the pandemic is just an extension of that. And it is, it's incredibly powerful. It just, you know, when you get that, it makes, it makes it more of a team effort. So parents are now involved, but now part of what we're doing as opposed to kind of on the sidelines cheerleading. Yeah. Uh, another kind of cataclysmic, um, aspect of all this, you mentioned digital portfolios and assessment. Uh, when you look at, uh, SAT, ACT, that sort of testing <laughs> that was, that was already in a full free fall, right. Yep. Spiral with the varsity blues and this only, com- you know, continue to accelerate that destruction. Uh, New Jersey's also great with their uh, statewide testing. That was always a big, a big deal. <laughs> Another real pleasure point with the union. I know. Um, Talk a little bit about how maybe you see that landscape shifting as a result of the the, the madness we've gone through. I mean, is it, are there going to be new forms of assessment that might be better and, and more more accurate and maybe even a little bit more fair when you talk about some of the digital equity issues? I certainly hope so. You know, you never. I'll be honest, you never know when it comes to you know because some of that a lot of some of that testing stuff is politically driven, and and then once that happens you know, you get some really interesting ideas as to what should be assessed and what should not be assessed. Um, But, you know, the thing that really stood out was, you know, we, and especially when this started, we had an issue with a number of teachers complaining about kids cheating, quote unquote cheating. Uh And so we had to have discussions with teachers of saying, you know, if you're trying to assess your kids using models that uh, you used in a classroom, where you, which was a closed setting, and you had full control over, and you're trying to do that at home. Does that make any sense at all? I mean, how can you expect, you know, not, you know, how can you sit there and say, I'm going to test kids on naming the capital of the United States or something? And not that they did, but, you know, yeah. something very concrete like that. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, that's not what should be happening. And so, kind of an extension of, you know, the student centered learning that was going on. Okay. What's the assessment look like for that? Cause if you're going to project-based, you're not assessing them on content. You know, it's, it's really what the, the, instead of the focus being on learning the content, the focus should be on using the content to kind of learn these skills that you're going to, you know, for problem solving and, you know, research and all these other schools that are skills that students are going to need. So you have to really change what you're assessing and how you're assessing, mm-hmm. whether or not, I know that that's a little bit harder to do on a standardized level. It's not impossible. It can be done. It's just a little bit harder. And so the standardized people are going to have to kind of, you know, be aware of that and hopefully adapt. Um, that is something, you know, I, I have, I, I, we don't have enough time to talk about my opinions of assessment <laughs> and what, what I've seen, not assessment general, just, you know, what yeah. has become the standard of assessment, um, you know, and the harm that I think it's doing. But um, so I, I hope, I really hope that that is something that changes because let's face it, you know, for many, many school districts, those assessments are really important to them because, you know, they're being evaluated, the teachers are being evaluated, the kids are being assessed on a, on a you know, a public report card. How in your right mind can you not be concerned about if this assessment is going to test, you know, this content, then I have to make sure these kids know this content. So what the assessments are do end up impacting, unfortunately, 
you know, what's going on for instruction. So yes, please let's have change. Yeah. That would be, be really important. But now you said that you were able to not only assess, but be, get some good data that, that, that helped you uh, in your analysis of, of, of what kids were doing. How did you, how did you do that? It combination. It's a combination of, you know, t- typical standard type, you know, raw assessments, which some kids may have had help on. Sure. You know, but it's also in class type. It's more project based. It's rubric based. And you're using a, a, a variety of different tools, which is kind of what you would expect people to do in general anyway, to kind of get a really good, you know, round, well-rounded picture of where the kids are standing, you know, where yeah. they stand. So, you know, fortunately for us, we had a number of these assessments in place, you know, they were used. So, um, you know, at a, at a course level, not, you know, so, you know, a particular course had a common set of common assessments, which were, again, not, you know, multiple choice type, but more free response and more rubric driven. So we were able to use that stuff to really get it, you know, to sure, yeah, our kids are kind of in the same place where they've been in the past. That's great. That's great. Um, weird question here. Um, the fact that there has been such a, in the context of things, a quick response to the pandemic, we have the vaccine. I mean, it, it, over the course of less than 18 months, we might be back to whatever we, we call normal. Um, <laughs> Would that maybe be a hindrance to some of the acceleration that was happening in, say, assessment technologies where people were talking about this is finally that point where our digital portfolios will be just as important as the SAT when John or Jane needs to to show their work to uh, to higher ed? Or has it almost are we snapping back quickly enough where, as we said before, that things will go back to normal and some of the technologies that say if we were stuck in this madness for three years, we would have had to resort to, to other sorts of technologies to create new standards. I mean, that's on us. That's on the professions. It really is. Um, you know, cause there is, there is that, I, I think you have to be concerned with that possibility. Um, you know, because 18 months is not, it's a long time, but it's not a long time. It's, it's a long time to work through it and, and trying to go through that, you know, significant change and kind of, you know, be shut down, but it's not a long time to create systemic change. You know, schools do not change quickly. That's not their nature. And so things, it takes time to kind of get things to, you know, slow down the inertia or at least shift the inertia. So 18 months may not have been long enough to really get the wide ranging impact that you're really hoping to get, which means it falls back, like I said, to the educators to say, all right, here, so let's recognize what we had and we need to make sure this happens. And, you know, if you have some teachers who are struggling with it, we'll get in there and help them get some coaches in there, get some support in there, get colleagues in there, whatever they need to make sure that we don't kind of slide back in those areas. Um, Cause it, it will be easy for some people to, say you know what that that was because you know this has been hard i i think that's you know i think we need to recognize that it's been hard on everybody i'm not you know i think everyone's kind of struggled through this and people really i think they'll look forward to the time they can stop and sort of take a deep breath and just sort of go you know and when they do that it's going to be very easy to fall back on old habits mm-hmm. and know, repress so. and re- i'm planning on repressing it all so that's why <laughs> 
that's why it's good that we're recording these things because i'm just yeah, like can, yeah it's never happened but um but yeah i, I think i think you're i think you're right I and mean, i think that that's right on that but i have to say uh i knew that the hardest part of this conversation would be ending it we we could go on and we will go on uh i hope to do it next time in person i'll bring my microphone to the coffee right, shop that's fair since we're, we're vaccinated and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later but uh thank you so much for your time i appreciate it rick uh, and thank you for your insights, because I, I think our, our audience will really benefit from them. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Kevin. I'm, it was it's always nice to talk this. And, you know, as we have in the past, it's kind of talk about these fun things. And I will tell you, hopefully we can talk about what's next, because I would love to see, you know, like, there's there, I think there's people look at what happened and they see these really cool things that happened and they see it as a as a goal. We yeah. want to get to that point. And I really feel now that that's not the goal. That's the first step. There, yeah. there is so much more out there that we could do. That is just incredibly powerful. I just hope that's the part that that's why I'm really concerned about the step back because, you know, we made a move in a direction. I think that's incredibly powerful for our kids yeah. and to, to go back is just such a disservice to them, but I understand it's hard. So yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks we'll again. That change. Thanks again. I appreciate it. And thanks right. everyone for, for watching. Uh, if you made it this far, once again, I'm Kevin Hogan at Innovations of Education, and uh, thanks, and I hope you find another episode soon.